welcome to the Nerd Party. Maximum warp. Punch it. Punch it. Punch it, Bishop! Punch it. Punch that shit! Let's punch it. Hello, everybody at home, and welcome. This is Punch It Writing in Star Trek, episode 100. I am your co host, Tristan Riddell, and with me, as always, is Charlene Schmidt. Charlene Schmidt, we have reached 100 episodes for the second time together. <laughs> Indeed. Now, that is, that is quite an accomplishment. For those of you who don't know, we hosted a show together all about Star Trek Voyager called To the Journey. It is still going on without us, but we reached uh, 190 episodes with that one. Right. This week, today, if you're listening to this, we have reached 100 episodes. And for some reason, that's a milestone in, in the podcast community. Wouldn't you say? Oh, it definitely is. I would say a lot of podcasts don't even get to episode 10, episode 20. Pod fade is a very real thing because podcasts take a lot more time, energy, and effort than meets the eye. People think it's easy. Oh, you just sit in front of a microphone and talk? Cool. Nah, not not the good ones. They're not quite that simple. It's true. Like There's some really great ones out there that are heavily pr- produced have a lot of great vocal talent. And there's also some other really great ones that some people just use their phones because that's all that they can afford or that's all that they can do. And it really depends. But if you want a good podcast, regardless of technological um, ability, advancement, or procurement, you got to have the talent. You got to have the drive. And uh, so for us to reach, oh my gosh, so all put together, that's 290 episodes that we've done together. That is a lot of talking. We should talk about this 10 episodes from now. So once we reach 110, we should do something special again because that's our 300th episode together Ooh. as hosts. Yes. Yes, we should. That is a massive milestone. Wow. Okay. All right. Yeah. How have you put up with me for this long and why? <laughs> <laughs> that I'll tell you at 110. Okay. Okay. I look forward to this. <laughs> so this week, we kind of put out a call to to some to you folks to the audience to listeners to say like hey what should we do for our 100th episode and we got a lot of great suggestions we got a lot we got some emails some tweets and uh, a lot of them were voyager based which we thought was really fun uh, because of <laughs> and it seems what fitting just, just because that is our roots and i think a lot of people even said hey get back to your roots and do some sort of epic voyager thing right and that was very appealing, and we almost went with that one. Like we were just like, "Oh, that's like putting on a warm blanket." You know, it's just yeah. like it's just so much fun. We were so close, but that's not what we're doing today. What are we doing today? What we're doing today is some, it was actually an internal suggestion within the nerd party where they said, "Hey, you should do an epic meetup between the 24th century captains," and I could not say no. It's so it's Picard, Cisco, and Janeway are in one story together. Yeah. So. There's a little bit of inherent danger to a type of story like this. If we're going to go big and epic for 100, we'd better be thinking big and epic, but also logically and on the fly. And you and I, we're very good at thinking on our feet, but this is kind of putting us to an ultimate test because we're just going to have to amp it up that much more for three freaking captains. I mean, if you think about Star Trek Generations that brings Picard and Kirk together and... Some people would say that 
that kind of flopped. It was not the best idea. It didn't work out with two. So now we're going to do it with three. We got our work cut out for us. And that said, I don't hate Generations, just for the record, so don't at me. Off topic, I feel like there's kind of a resurgence for the love of Generations coming back, where decades later, people are kind of saying, hey, this isn't as bad as people are saying. It doesn't, like the rap maybe was undeserved, or maybe we were too sensitive back in the 90s. I don't know, something like that. But I've definitely noticed a little bit more of a love fest when it comes to Generations, especially around Christmas time. (laughs) Certainly. Yeah, it is one of those movies that a lot of people watch around Christmas time, myself included. So with this story, it's going to be on the fly. We're going to be writing it. We're going to be calculating. We're going to be, as you know, longtime listeners will know that when we do our episodes on the fly, it's never really, we try to do as complete thoughts as we can, but you're not, we don't go like, okay, act one, scene one, act two, scene two, or act three, scene four. We don't do anything like that. It's pretty much just, we have a, we have an outline we kind of sometimes we'll jump back and forth between the acts. We'll we'll develop something later on that should go to the beginning. So you just right. got to pay attention. You got to stay with us because our minds work sometimes faster than uh, than other times. So, <laughs> and some stories end up being more difficult than meets the eye. And so sometimes we're working backwards and then eventually filling in the blanks. I mean, each time is a new experience, and so we're just gonna have to see how this one goes. <laughs> okay, so let's go ahead and let's just, I think the best place to start is when would this be? Would this be... Great question. Right after Nemesis? Would this be close to how far the 24th century would be progressed if it was in time today? Like, it's 2019, so I think the new Picard series is going to be around 2399, just about to get to the 25th century. Should we... Correct. Should we be around that time or should it be before Nemesis? You know, should it like when when should it be? Oh, there. Okay, there's good arguments for both because one, let's say this is real and we're developing an actual project that's going to happen because let's say the Kelvin movies, you know, the talks have fallen apart, at least for right now, for the fourth installment. So Mm Paramount's going to want to do another Trek movie. Well, maybe this is their answer, in which case... We have actors that have aged 20-something years. I mean, you know, Patrick Stewart, he looks the same, but <laughs> that being beside the point, we have to account for just the the human uh, condition here, and our mm-hmm. captains do not look quite the same as they did in their day when the shows were on. So if we do that, I, there's a part of me that wants to do 20, or 2399, but then there's another part of me that says, yeah, like just after Nemesis, just after Voyager got home, like maybe just after Janeway became an admiral is a good time. But then if we're thinking about Cisco, he's off doing things with the prophets, right? Right. So how are we going to get him into the mix? Um, a part of me does want to do kind of like a, a, a semi out there future that hasn't quite been explored yet. I Let's split the difference here. Let's just kind of keep it a little bit vague where it's sometime after Nemesis, but before 24, nine, uh, 2399. So somewhere okay, in between Nemesis and the Picard show, and we can um, kind of go from there. We can make it a little nebulous and just kind of set up where people are generally, and then that way let's not get tied down by too many details. So that sounds good. With, with that in mind, so that's going to be, it's going to be post-Nemesis, but before uh, the Picard show, here's the critical event. What gets them together? We should start with the biggest concept and kind of work our way down, I think. Agreed. I think the first thing we have to determine is what sort of event 
is going to bring these three people in particular together, aside from being Starfleet officers and maybe even being just humans. Mm-hmm. What do they have in common? Well, let's see. Cisco's the only one who knows how to cook. Uh, um, let's see. Um, Janeway hates to cook. Yeah, let's 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 look to their to their missions. What what do they have in common? So they they both have explored the unknown. They both have a lot of like you know because Picard went into um, you know where no one has gone before. He's met a lot of first contact. Cisco's had a lot of first contact because of the wormhole. Janeway's had a lot yeah. of first contact because of the Delta Quadrant. What about aliens? Even though Janeway was in the Delta Quadrant, there was a lot. She met a lot of Alpha Quadrant aliens. So maybe they like they all have yeah. the Klingons in common. Oh, do we want to do that? I, I kind of feel like with Discovery now, there's plenty of Klingon content. Like immediately when you said that, my mind went to the Borg, but the Borg are allegedly destroyed if not massively weakened and i really don't know if i want to go to that well like are the borg really that much of a threat anymore i think just people are going to yawn at that idea i think people would probably yawn at the borg speaking of the borg okay so borg klingons there is a fan collection of uh you remember the old dvd fan collections like the fan favorite collections before like oh. when, yeah, when they sure. released all the seasons on dvd there was a time travel one there was a klingon uh-huh. one a Q one and a Borg one. And they all have Q in common, Tristan. I guess that's true. Yeah, Ben Cisco did have one Q episode, didn't he? One. <laughs> yeah. yeah. One. Yes, yes. So immediately, if we were to go through this whole thing with Q, um, Cisco's one and only payoff in this entire project would be to punch Q again. He's just going <laughs> to be pining for, can I punch him now? Can I punch him now? Okay, so... So, okay... <sighs> Let's let's talk about this. Okay, let's talk about that because I initially was just like, uh, Q, do we do we go to that well? You know, like what do we do? Right. With that? Yeah, in a way it's very convenient because with a Q there's that kind of infinite Deus Ex Machina type of storytelling we can get into, but it can also right. get heavily philosophical. It can also get very very interesting really fast. And it is one thing that they all have in common. Like they were all visited by Q. That would be a good reason why he would bring these three in particular together. I like that idea a lot because I'm a big Q fan. I feel like we, if this was a real story, I feel like we'd get a lot of eye rolls. Maybe so just because it's Q. Sure. Yeah, because it's Q, because it's the Das Ex Machina thing. You know, it's, 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 it's it's the well. He's omnipotent. He's omniscient it's all those things that like with any story he just you know snaps his fingers and it's done but sure. i do like that idea because of of like continuing the trial of all good things in some form but bringing right? in those captains yeah i mean it's not necessarily about q i think q would serve more as the vehicle to get our three captains working together with yes. the trial on humanity this is maybe the next step Okay, here I like I like I said I like that idea and I think that could be a lot of fun. But for the purposes of this story, I I have probably one big con that you might agree with me on is that yeah. you talked about being philosophical. We'd have to be philosophical on the fly and have like larger than human and existence concepts within like the next 30 yeah. minutes. <laughs> um yes, this is a problem. It's really hard to think on your feet and think deeply at the same time. So 
I mean, for that reason, that, that kind of makes me want to think, nah, let's not do this story. Maybe we keep thinking other things. Maybe there's something else that we could do that's a little easier to outline on the fly than this. Because I feel like we would really need to go in with some serious deep thought as to what Q is trying to say this time. Now, how about this? Now, you speaking because Q gave us the eye rolls a little bit or might give people the eye rolls. I want to go <laughs> back to something that might be a little eye rolly as well, but something that we could spin and get a new take on, and that's the Borg. Now, before you uh-huh. shut me up, <laughs> you know, hear me I'm out. not shutting you up, but I think our listeners are like, oh, brother. I I know that Janeway and Voyager kind of beat the Borg to death. Oh, yeah. And it was, you know, it's it's something that like a lot of people say like, oh, my gosh, like the Borg aren't scary anymore. We had a movie about them. We had too much of Voyager about them. Let's let us let us leave them alone. I think that's why they they gave the Borg such a huge blow in Endgame by, you know, not really describing how well they were destroyed so that, like, anything could happen. Um, yeah. I want to say, what if, what if there was a Borg enemy that was different? Some, like, maybe, you know, the Borg was received a devastating, more devastating than they ever could imagine blow in Endgame where they were almost wiped out or they were crippled or there was there was yeah. chaos, there was disorganization and they were almost gone. But what if something resurged years later, something monumentally different but still inherently Borg, still inherently cyborgs and a collective but yet, what if they were more sinister? What if they were more devious? What if it was more like the shapeshifters and the Romulans and the Borgs combined into one species, where like they're like the the, the shapeshifters would infiltrate, you know, the the Federation, and the Romulans would come up with these these plots for disrupting the quadrant instead of just blowing things up, and the Borg still had the technological know how. What if it was something like that? And like, if you look at the three captains, you have. Jean-Luc, who has the personal intimate knowledge of the Borg. You have Janeway, who had the most encounters with the Borg out of any other human. And you have Sisko, yeah. who has firsthand knowledge of the technological aspects of what it takes to defeat the Borg with brute force. The Borg have been massively crippled. They, they need to do what they do best. They need to adapt, evolve, mm-hmm. change tactics. And it sounds like they're coming back with a little bit more of a vengeance. It's not so much just even growth and assimilation it's we want to destroy you now because you nearly destroyed us correct not necessarily revenge not necessarily revenge but i what you talked about well changing tactics absolutely like they adapt they evolve and for you know like over a decade their plans of just of brute force didn't work of uh coercion didn't work and time travel didn't work so they're okay. just like, holy crap. And we almost got obliterated by these pathetic, puny little humans. <laughs> okay. What do we need to do? So if I'm a Borg and I'm changing tactics, I'm going to be a lot more subtle about it. I'm going to work a lot right. more quietly. I'm not going to gain attention. I'm going to do my work almost unnoticed. Yes. And that's what that's what I'm talking about is it's like we have Borg that infiltrate the system that try to fight it from within. And I know that some people are going to say like, oh, well, that isn't the Borg. Well, I think we need to kind of find a new way to invigorate the Borg. And it's just maybe not yeah. like Borg or even Borg 2.0, but just like an offshoot of the Borg. Think think what Lore did with the Borg times a billion. 
Sure. Also, think back to the TNG episode Conspiracy, which was supposed to sort of be like proto-Borg before the Borg were really kind of a formed idea, where mm -hmm. they were trying to work from within and take over powerful admirals. Yeah, and that's kind of what I want to see with this new Borg, where they are, you know, they, they don't like take over somebody's shape, but we find out that there, maybe there is, like in the years that go on, there's this this group of people, maybe not like we don't know that they're connected, but they have risen through the ranks of Starfleet because they're just exceptional officers and they have like their great technology, technological wise, they're really smart. The, um, they are in peak physical condition and they're of multiple races and ethnicities and genders. And, and it's just like you have this graduating class that is just like absolutely remarkable. <laughs> Right, almost like this graduating class of super soldiers where it seems almost easy for them. I mean, they excelled in their studies, mm -hmm. they're in tip-top physical shape. You know, I love the idea of the, like, we find out that, like, say one, somebody dies, one of these, I don't know, super, in, enhanced Borg people, and come to find out when it, it's time to do the autopsy, there's both organic and non-organic substance you know running and nobody somehow nobody picked up on this until now and they realize this technology is borg they no longer look borg they look like us right they're like but like on the inside like somehow it it fooled their sensors they couldn't detect it they passed yeah. physicals with flying colors but inside they look borg but on the outside they're not gray and veiny and they don't have external implants all of their implants are internal yeah and I would love to see some catastrophic event happen where like what happens is is that we're with maybe I don't know let's say Picard or Janeway or Cisco one one of the captains and actually actually let's say let's say it's Picard where they're no screw that Janeway they're with Janeway <laughs> and they're with Admiral Janeway and they say this happened and they're they're talking about something catastrophic where we figured out that there was there was 15 people in the graduating class of something something and we this happened they were graduated you know 10 years ago or something like that and um they were all throughout on different ships and different space stations all throughout the quadrant and at one time like these ships were taken over by hmm. by what we can only determine is a weak Borg signature. So And so like these ships and these stations have been going rogue for maybe a little while and they don't know what to do. They can't find them. They disappeared. And they're like, we don't know how many other um, pseudo-Borgs have infiltrated the system. We've only accounted for 15. And Janeway, we need your help. And she's like, well, I need somebody else's help. And she goes right. and finds Picard Janeway says, I have the experience. Picard says, like, well, I have, you know, like, I, I know how they think. And they're like, but we need someone who can help detect them and fight them and, and help adapt. And they're like, well, he doesn't, he's not in Starfleet anymore. You know, he just got back from a long trip. And then... <laughs> Q Cisco. And that, I'm, again, I'm like, I'm going really far in it, but like, that's kind of where my brain is. It feel free to change anything and everything. No, I think that's a good logical direction to go. And... Uh... I got nothing. All right. <laughs> so that makes enough sense. And my only concern at this point is that this is not different enough. Like, 
and I don't know how mo- like how many more ways we can twist the Borg. I really like this concept. I'm just thinking audience feedback wise, they've already tuned out. <laughs> Well, I feel like it would be different because this is after the fact. We're seeing the aftermath of this this event that happened. And I think it's it's that story of what if the founders, like what if the shapeshifters actually succeeded in infiltration? Right, because we kind of had this sort of thing happen on DS9 where shapeshifters were infiltrating and this created a massive culture of paranoia. Nobody trusted anybody because what if you're a shapeshifter? I feel like the same mm-hmm. thing is going to happen here. And I'm thinking we've got to move past that. Yes. And so that's why I want to I want to take it to a point where the public doesn't know. Like the the Starfleet, the Federation and Starfleet have kept it under wraps. Right. It's their job they, to, to contain this before it becomes a public epidemic problem. So what if what if what if we go back on what I said? Like what if it's not the aftermath? What if they need to discover, okay, so what if it's, hmm, where it's it's something along the lines of ships and stations have gone missing and they Just don't entirely know gone, missing. Entirely gone, missing. Like a station is gone. Deep Space Five is gone. Like the Ooh. two-shoe is gone. You know, like the, the oh, hammerhead dear. is gone. You know, like things like that with like we... And they're all in different por- point parts of the galaxy. I mean, they're all in different parts of the quadrant. Like they have nothing in common uh, that we can that we can find. And you know, like maybe Janeway discovers the pattern, and she's the one who puts it all together. Like who sends it to maybe uh, like sends it to Seven of Nine and says like I can't. Can you f-? like Seven of Nine's working at the Daystrom Institute like on Star Trek <laughs> Online, and she sends the data to Seven saying like. Every single location has someone from this graduating class. Is there anything else that you can find? And she finds like a Borg signature or something like that. Love it. Also, then we get a cameo from Jerry Ryan and nobody is going to hate that. Okay, so that's cool. Yeah, and that's where Seven of Nine says, you might want to get the help from someone I've been working a lot with lately. And that's when Picard comes into play. Cool. Okay, so then that raises the question though, what where are these uh, ships and stations going? Why are they disappearing? What are these newly regenerated Borg, if you will, doing with them? I think that's what they try to find out. But I feel like it's maybe let's see, let's see, let's see, let's see. So it's yeah. What do the Borg need with a starship? Yeah. So like their entire base was obliterated. Let's say that they don't have the resources anymore to build their own cubes and build their own stations and everything like that. And so what they do is they steal, they accumulate, they assimilate from within and infiltrate and Ooh, then what transport if, it some other place. What if, yeah, maybe just because resources are a little bit strained now, instead of uh, going to the source, the source comes to them. They're outfitting these ships, these stations with more Borg technology. So they disappear for a day and Starfleet, of course, we're all thinking, oh, spatial anomaly. And nobody remembers what happened, of course, because they're brain wiped. Wait, okay, wait, wait. So they disappear for a day and then they come back? Yeah, I think they have to come back as just like this weird, crazy thing. But it's happened enough times now where Starfleet is saying, uh, what's up? This is not happening in the same quadrant of space. It's not a wormhole. What the hell's going on, Janeway? Would you please investigate? I, I, I like the idea of 
of it like of them thinking it's an, an, an anomaly because it's like kind of a play on a on a star trek trope right. i don't know if i like the idea of them coming back unbeknownst to them i hmm. I, okay. I feel like it, because it's it kind of plays on the whole like well if they assimilate people do they not know it um you know like is it I don't know. It 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 opens up. I f- I think it complicates it. It opens it up to too many questions beyond that. I I want to. I think the and let me know if I'm if I'm going too far here. Like I feel like yeah. if they disappear, it it raises more questions because if they disappear for a day and then come back, then the focus is on them, as the, the focus is on the individuals on the on the ships and the in the and the stations as opposed to the event on a whole, and so I feel okay. like if they're if they disappear and maybe like as they're investigating it more things are disappearing and so it's the the pattern becomes a little bit more and more available and Jane was like we gotta stop this and so like I feel like they're trying to build a new collective and they but they don't want it to be centrally located in the Delta Quadrant like it was because they're like that was freaking stupid and so (laughs) we're doing it all over the known galaxy and maybe even like it's happening within the Klingons, maybe it's happening within the Romulans, it's happening with, um, you know, people in the Delta Quadrant. And 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 I, I feel like if they come back, it's a little bit more like the, like the 4400, you know, like sci-fi TV show and like all those other, other things that have kind of popped up where they're just okay. like, oh, we didn't okay. know we were gone. Right. Okay. I see your point. What if we throw a little bit of twist? Because I totally agree that just maybe displacing these ships and relocating them to the Delta Quadrant is a bad idea. The Borg mm-hmm. learn, they adapt, and they realize that that's not going to work. They, they're not going to put all their eggs in one basket again. But what if, to keep things edgy, they're moving uh, these ships, these stations, to various different locations from time to time, finding, making them even more difficult to find? And then also, what is a Federation ship suddenly doing in Romulan space? Creating a little bit of havoc. I yeah, I like that. A little idea. bit of controlled chaos. Controlled chaos, exactly. Yeah, we could even like have that be the tagline of the show. You know, where it's um, <laughs> they like uh, they bring order to chaos, but what happens when they control it? You know, like boom, boom, boom. Ooh, now that's a movie fall. poster. Uh-huh. Yeah. So I like that idea where they're moving it around. But do we make I like in what I had in my head was they would be Borgified. They'd be different. It would be like. Like okay. in that Borg episode of Enterprise where you saw the shuttle and it like kept evolving and getting bigger and everything like that. And so it no longer looked like a Federation starship, but it still had like a Federation signature. I like the idea of moving from place to place. And like, I, I like the idea of like maybe they develop Borg caravans where they're, <laughs> they're, they're moving throughout the, the galaxy and uh-huh. it's hard to track them. So how are they traveling? Like, I don't want to say transwarp. I want to say like something new where... It's not right. a cloak, it's not transwarp, it's not slipstream, but it's something where they can just completely disappear from this plane. Maybe it's something something that we've never heard of before at all. What if they perfected the spore drive? <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> hey, I mean, it's a nice little uh, disco tie-in. And, and maybe they've found a way to control, you know, going into multiple universes. Or or do they or Ooh, are are we getting 
are we getting into the whole issue now where we're going to be dealing with multiple universes? Sort of like we were trying to circumvent that a little bit with possibly a Q story. But what if we did that here where it, we're tying in that whole thing where like in All Good Things, Q says... Uh, you opened your mind to the possibilities of existence. What if the Borg are actually doing that? What? Yeah. Okay. So I'm going to take what you said. Like, what if we build on that? Like, what if it's they they figured out that they can go to an alternate universe very easily, but it's untraceable to the point where they go to a universe where the Borg didn't exist, the Federation didn't exist, the Klingon Empire didn't exist, the Romulan Empire didn't doesn't exist. So they go there. And what if we find out that they're just like, we need to go someplace to just exist? Because if we stay in the Alpha Quadrant, Delta Quadrant, Gamma Quadrant, wherever in this time frame, we, we have run the calculations, we will be obliterated to nothing. And so we need to go to a universe where we can just be alone, but we also, we also need the technology to take with us. We need the bodies, we need the technology <laughs> in order to start something new. So they're just stealing incrementally from everywhere and bringing it to this other universe. Yes. Okay, I mean, that sounds like an interesting mission for the Borg. But then once they get enough, I mean, what is the point where they have enough people and resources? I mean, is this going to be a never-ending thing because they realize, uh, okay, we're here now, we've got some stuff. And there's really nobody to conquer in this universe because none of our formidable enemies exist what are they going to do? Well, I think it's it's it becomes a an, an issue of slim pickings because if everyone's smaller than you, then you can take over whatever you want. And Right, that's not a challenge. Are they but that's the thing is that like that's what's interesting is that they're not looking for a challenge. They're not looking for revenge. It is purely survival at this point. It is purely okay. just to maintain their existence and so that's where we can come at it, where we can get a little relatability to the Borg, because in the Borg, they're just like, oh, we want to, you know, we're, we're just like a storm, you know, we consume and then we leave. Well, that's, you know, like, that's not really interesting. Uh, like, that, I, I shouldn't say that's in, not interesting. I should say that's already been played out. So what if we give them a motivation that is very Borg-esque, but something that is also very human at the same time? Okay. Yeah, you know what? The more I think about this, the more I like it, where... They all they really want to do at this point. These are like a very um, more mellowed out Borg. They they just want to go live their best life. But the way that they're going about it is threatening humanity because they're taking people and things that are not theirs. Right. And so it's up to Janeway, Cisco, and Picard to stop it. Now, how do they get through? Like, okay, because then you're getting into the philosophical thing of well, they're going into another universe and they're not actually harming anybody except for the people they've assimilated. Do they eventually let the Borg go off and do their thing and find a way to stop them from assimilating? Uh, I, I guess we have to plan that out now. I think from that perspective, I think that's a very great question. I think there's a couple of different things that you can look at where Janeway's like, well, this is just like with Species 8472, you know, when they were invading fluidic space, you know, that's why Species 8472 came over to our universe and tried to destroy them. I got in the way of that and ended up perpetuating the life of the Borg, and I, I regret it. And then um, you have Picard, who's just like, I had the situation with Hugh, and I thought that that would help the Borg, and it didn't. And I was ordered by Admiralty, if the next chance I had to destroy the Borg is, I, sh I should absolutely take it. And then Cisco's like, this is effing ridiculous. Uh, the Borg <laughs> Let me is punch a him. huge... <laughs> Yeah, like Borg is, a, Borg is a huge threat. We cannot let them assimilate this universe or any other universe. Oh, I like it. 
So basically, they all have the same goal, but for different reasons. And maybe yeah. there is hesitation. Maybe there is hesitation. Like once they actually need to pull the proverbial trigger, they're just like, I can't, we can't, we're Starfleet officers. We can't commit genocide. What if one of the three is just like, no, and then hits the button? Ooh, who will it be? That's got to be the big twist. I have a feeling it's got to be Cisco. And then we have to have that debriefing where he's got a nice, long monologue explanation. I, yes, I think it's, that would be really interesting. Like if we, if the three of them are on a bridge of something uh-huh. and like there's that moral quandary with the three of them just kind of talking back and forth and like somebody saying, we don't have the time to discuss this. We, this needs to happen. And then all of a sudden, um, like they say, like we can't make a decision. And then the camera is outside the view screen and then we see the explosions we see the whatever and all three of them just kind of look at each other like who did it and the audience doesn't know the audience has no idea which of the three did it and was it (laughs) one of the three or was it somebody else and we go to the debrief we see an impassioned speech from whether I want to say Cisco like I I like the idea which is like Cisco is just is yelly Cisco saying it needed to happen and they're like, so are you admitting that you pressed the button? And he said, he's like, I didn't press the button, but if I had the chance over again, I would. And they're just like, well, then who did it? And Janeway has an impassioned speech about how we needed to be lenient. We needed to be forgiving. And so it was clear that she didn't push the button. Cut to Picard. He says that he did it. And <laughs> that, he, that he was the one. He said, he's like, I, he gives a kind of a speech reminiscent of the line must be drawn here, where he's just like, I cannot let this happen to anybody else again. But then... Seven of Nine stands up and says, he didn't do it. He's covering for me. I did it. I love it. I love this kind of montage, wondering who is going to finally confess only to... Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And, and Picard oh, I love did it. it just because he's like, I'm on my way out of Starfleet anyway. It's no big deal. Like, I this if this is my career killer, that's fine. And he's trying to protect Seven of Nine because there's already so much animosity towards her for a billion other reasons. Right. He stands by his convictions. Right. And so he he lies, but then she can't let him lie because she's yeah, too moral to do that. Right, right. I think on top of that, we need to have a little bit of a happy ending where maybe Seven has been working, you know, behind the scenes this whole time, infiltrating the Borg herself and pre- finding a way to prevent them from doing what they've been doing so that it will not happen again. And in a way, it almost justifies what she's what she does. To where the Admiralty yeah. or whoever is, you know, debriefing here says, okay, you're going to get disciplined. I mean, she's not even in Starfleet, though, but maybe there's some repercussion that she has to face. Yeah. But because you're saving humanity, we're not going to completely, we're not going to send you to Rorapente. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like maybe the Daystrom Institute is just like, listen, this is a think tank. Like we do not, like we do not take action on this, you know, um, on this scale. Like we advise we recommend and you did something that was very against our core beliefs. So maybe she's kicked out of the Dacerm Institute, but she doesn't go to prison. That makes enough sense to me. And it seems like a very 24th century-esque conclusion to come to, you know? (laughs) Uh, I think we've got like the basis, the, the very basic outline of this story. I feel like logically we have brought the captains together. We have achieved that goal. Is there anything else we want to throw in here at the very last end of it that we need to see in an epic crossover movie? There's two major things that I want to do, like to build off of the ending. Yeah. I want, because like Picard 
lied under oath. It's true. He did. He's got to face repercussions for that. I think his repercussions are kind of what happened to Captain Kirk, where they're just like, okay, like we're going to knock you down from Admiral to Captain. With Captain Picard, it's a little bit more severe, but not really, where they're just like, we're taking you away from your ship, but we're making you an ambassador. Hmm. So it's a forced ambassadorship, and it was something that he was struggling with back and forth. Maybe that's something throughout the entire movie or story is that like he's struggling whether or not to take the ambassadorship and leave his starship or not. And he was going back and forth. And then the Admiralty is just like, we're making the decision for you. Right. So then that decision stripped away from him. He has no choice. And at the same time, though, it, it is a very Kirk-esque like thing in the Voyage Home where they're playing to his strengths. Right. And then like somebody asks him, like, well, what did you decide? Did you decide to stay on your ship or did you decide to take the ambassadorship? And he doesn't answer the question. <laughs> um, oh, and then that's going to be a wicked thing, look from Patrick Stewart. I know, right? And so yeah. the other thing that I was thinking about doing was what if they needed to build something? Because I love movies like that where they need to build something together. They need to bring in their know-how. Like what if they build a ship? It's kind of reminiscent of... You know, like people coming together and building the Delta Flyer or um, sure. where it's something but much more massive than that. Like they build a new type of a new class of starship where, you know, like Picard has been out there for forever. Janeway was out in the wilderness and Cisco knows how to build a starship. And right. so they come together and, and like maybe even Seven of Nine comes in where they're just like these Borg enhancements from Voyager on Endgame can be implemented here. And Picard is just like, well, when you're dealing with this type of situation, when I was dealing with the Borg, I needed this. And um, Janeway says, well, when I was dealing with the Borg, we needed this. And Cisco's like, I think I know how to do that. And so maybe this nice. is a this is a story that takes place over a broad distance of time where where yeah. it's not just a week or a couple of days. It's something that's like months and they fast track it. And they're just like, we need this in order to track down these ships and stations. Yeah, yeah, I think we're going to have to have some sort of like a jump cut, you know, or a montage over time where they're developing these things. It's, yeah, the whole movie is not going to be over the course of a few days for sure. Now, does this ship, aside from its enhancements, does it have some sort of noble purpose relating to the events of this movie? Like, are they trying to protect the Borg from coming back? Is there something they can do to seal or protect other ships, uh, parts of space? Uh, do we even want to go there? Because I kind of feel like we should have that and we should have it like this being the prototype ship that's going to be the first of probably a line going through the mm-hmm. galaxy and doing this commanded by Captain Kim. I was going to suggest something like that where I, I didn't want to necessarily go with Kim, but I was thinking the same thing because it's maybe a little too Voyager focused because if we start with Janeway, bring in Seven of Nine and then end with Kim... That's very Voyager focused. And yeah. so one thing that I was thinking, like, and just, and hear me out here. Um, okay. Where this is kind of like a backdoor pilot to a TV show where maybe <laughs> the, um, the USS Titan is destroyed in this venture. I don't want the Riker show. I'm sorry. No, don't. Let me finish. Let me okay, finish. okay. So the USS Titan is destroyed in this venture. Riker survives and everything like that. He's promoted to admiral. 
And we see him become a fleet commander, and his first act as fleet commander is to give his XO that ship, that new breed of ship. Okay. Who is that XO? Well, I, I want to say it's Harry. <laughs> Let's give justice for Harry. Hashtag justice for Harry here. All right. Um, all right. Also, cameo by Jonathan Frakes. Cool. 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 Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, a part of me just really wants it to be Harry, but if it's got to be somebody else, what if it's somebody like Esri Dax? Yeah, I don't like Esri Dax at all. So I, I, I think I that's a great direction, but I don't like her. But like, if you want to go with I'm pulling that from okay. the novels too, by the way, is she eventually does become a captain. So who else could be? Okay, here's an idea. And this makes my eyes roll to the back of my head, but Michael Dorn would be all about it. It could be the Captain Wharf series. <laughs> uh, what if we... I don't want to do <laughs> I, that at all. <laughs> I don't want to do that either. What if, um, what, uh, what if we see Kira who really like ever since she took over for the station like her command abilities and her you know like everything like she's explored the realms of command maybe she's you know like taken out the defiant more than once or twice and she's ready for a command hmm i don't feel like she would be a first officer aboard a starfleet ship i mean she was essentially the first officer on ds9 even though she's exploring at facets of command yeah no it's not her you're absolutely, you're 100% right. 100%. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'd love to see Nana visitor as Kira, but no. What if I take out that part? What if it's not the XO of the Titan, but it's still um, Riker's decision because he got promoted to fleet admiral. He's a, he's building his fleet. They say like, Riker, do you want to take this, this ship? This is the most, this is now the most advanced ship in the fleet, even more so than the Enterprise E. And <laughs> so it's like, do you want the E now that Picard is leaving? He's like, do you want the, the USS whatever? Ooh. Now that it's open, and Riker says, "No, I have a great idea. Data is going to be the the captain of the Enterprise E, and then that's when we say like, and I'm talking with Kira about becoming the the captain of the USS whatever. Hmm. And so that way we have a TNG callback, uh, we have a DS9 callback, and we have our uh, Voyager callback with Seven of Nine. Okay, that's fair. That's nice and balanced. Okay. Okay. All right, we can we can totally go with that, uh, and uh, I have a feeling we're not actually going to see much of Data, though. Brent Spiner, no. I don't think, has any interest no. in being Data. We're going to maybe have to force Gump that footage, but mm-hmm. that's okay. Like, it's going to be one shot of him in the command seat. Right, right. And this is the this is the B4 Data. This is the B4 version of Data where his memories Correct. have come back. Yeah. Okay, but Captain Kira... Possible backdoor pilot, uh, yes, please. Yes, backdoor pilot to the adventures of Captain Kira, who is now full-time in Starfleet. And uh, yeah, and then maybe she runs into uh, the USS Enterprise-E every once in a while, and then it's a nice setup for an ambassadorship of the Picard show, something like that. Maybe so, maybe so. We'll find out soon enough later this year if our idea has any weight into how the Picard show goes. <laughs> Absolutely. Now, as we're recording this, new Star Trek Discovery this week. Are you psyched? Uh, yeah, I'm worried like everybody about oversaturation, but I'm going to ride the wave. I'm going to ride the wave of an, of excitement. Yeah, I am getting a little concerned with all of these different shows that they're developing that we're going to kill Star Trek with development and, and yes. series. All, even if it's a few episodes here, a few episodes there, I'm thrilled that they're doing the work and they're going to, I'm hoping, produce you know, good quality Star Trek content. I just, I don't want them to kill the franchise again. I'm sure they're taking steps to keep, you know, to not to, or to keep it alive. 
But I'm cautiously optimistic, just like everybody else. Uh, I am looking forward to Discovery Season 2. I think there's a lot of great stuff to look forward to. Should be fun. I think it'll be great. And uh, I'm really looking forward to everything that they have to offer to kind of judge for myself and try not to prejudge as much as possible. But what we'd like to yeah, hear from internet. you guys is what do you think of our little movie, our little story? And also, what would you call the ship? Because yeah. I don't think the USS whatever really stands uh, the, the test of time. So... So, everyone, please write in and let us know. You can uh, find us on social media. You can find us on Facebook, on Twitter. Uh, you can go to, you can email us by going to thenerdparty.com slash contact. Select punch it from the drop-down menu. Fill out the form. It'll send us an email. You can also find us personally on Twitter. You can find me at the Insane Robin. You can find me at Oh the Profanity. And next week is going to be episode 101. And uh, no matter what we do, we're going to punch it. Ready for warp, sir. Let's punch it. Join the revolution. Join the nerd party.